We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Howdy, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to your favorite little podcast. I'm here with Emma. You know the drill. We're recording both in our beds uh, with microphones in hand after a long day of whatever the hell we did today. Um, Emma, how's it going for you? It's going good. I smell like chlorine because I swam earlier today, which was fun. And I'm also recovering from my fun long weekend that I had. My friend Pat, he's one of the guys that I swim with, had a 30th birthday party. And so all the bombers went out and celebrated his birthday. And it was a very wild time. My boyfriend and I left at like 1030 because we're old people like that. But then there's a few people that stayed until like two. And I was like, bless your souls for being young and going at it. I can't do that and I'm 24 so I don't know what my going out life will look like when I'm 30 but yeah it's it's been good and then on Saturday um I guess there's these mustard flavored Skittles and Skittles is doing a collaboration with Frenchies or French's mustard and the only reason I know about this because like boyfriend and I we had to go and obtain and secure the the Skittles to send back home to family because they requested the Skittles and it was a good test for our relationship because it was like all the things that we both hate heat standing in a line having to walk through Times Square and like just doing all that on a Saturday afternoon but that kind of gets my point of if Skittles were to discover all the crazy innovative stuff that CMOS Relays are doing and they wanted to collab with us what flavor of Skittle would we do that like represents CMOS girlies? Skittles. Interesting. Um, yeah, who knew? One time I got um or not Skittles in the mail as like a PR thing, and I don't know who had my address. I got Sprite flavored Tic Tacs. And I was like, I want to know one person that's requesting this product. Like, who the hell wants that? But Skittles, I'm like, hmm, I mean, my head went to like something that's like vinegary. Like in a weird way, like a, a kombucha e thing or apple cider vinegary thing. Um, I don't know. What about you? Um, I would maybe say like miso, mm. perhaps. Also, I saw at Trader Joe's today that they now carry miso paste. So any of the girlies want to get wow. miso paste? Uh, I saw I, that today. That's pretty cool. But yeah, I did not try the Skittles because so I had to donate my bag for the cause. Donate. Um, I don't think they would taste good, but I do love mustard and. What you were talking about, I was like, I wonder if it's going to be like different types of mustard. And then obviously it was just yellow mustard. That was like the flavor because that's the only flavor mustard that this brand makes. But it was an awful activation. But, you know, sometimes you just got to do things like that for for people that you love. Yeah, that's cute. A little Skittles moment. Um, I genuinely like forget that Skittles exist. 
Um, my moments of the week, I went to LA this weekend for a trip with athletic greens, which was very fun. I'm sure you already got all this tea. If you follow me on social media, um, my YouTube video will be coming out this week with like more of the, the sitch, but you know, when I go to Los Angeles, of course I got to go to see Muscarelli's HQ, which is air one. I went three times in the trip and I was there for three days, I think something like that. But the first day I went, I was so overwhelmed because I went at like 7 p.m. and I was famished off the plane. And so I was trying to look around, but there was just like all these people in line. And then I saw that the smoothie of the month classically was a beef liver smoothie. And I was like, damn, I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting. But then um, the founder of Airwan or the CEO or some shit followed me on Instagram. So maybe I slide in his DMs and say, yo, CMOS Grilly's Airwan collab when and see what happens. I've done, I've done bolder things in the DMs. I feel like that that's not that wild to say so yeah i went to air one and they had the beef thing i had my run retreat with athletic greens which was very fun it was mostly runners that are based out of california that lead different run crews and so i'm obviously not familiar with how running culture is in california and it's very different than new york in the sense that there's kind of like five major groups and people kind of pick one and it's very like tribalist to a degree in good ways and bad ways that there's a lot of camaraderie but then there's also like what group do you run for thing um allison felix was there if you know her she's an amazing track athlete that now has a brand of her own for making a woman's shoe um it was very interesting to hear the story behind that because i've always thought that like the idea of a woman's shoe is gimmicky that like haven't we already made women's shoes like what do you mean and she talked about the fact that no what they do is they basically take a men's sole and they just shrink it and then they call it a woman's shoe and so women have more narrow feet than men naturally there's like different pressure points on our foot that can relate to like different pain so she's kind of uh championing the cause of investing in women and investing in like women's footwear so it was very interesting to hear and then my other side tangent about her that was fascinating because i've been very on my like women in sports like feminism title nine kind of shit um she was a lot of things in track and field around maternity policy it's all their contracts in like high level olympic shit or like a sponsorship with nike you are on a contract that's performance based so if you don't run and hit a certain time your contract gets reduced by a certain percentage and so when someone becomes pregnant obviously their fitness is in decline and most of the companies do not have a um time frame for women to take maternity leave that are runners and so often women are pushed out of the sport because their contracts just slowly and slowly get less and less money and so Allison Felix was an example of this when she was with Nike she wrote a very infamous op-ed that I recommend everyone to read about how unfair this policy is to young women and moms and so many moms hide their pregnancy too which is like really weird from like a health perspective and really unhealthy for the children Um, And it's interesting because now an athlete like Naomi Osaka has benefited from having these maternity policies in her contract. And there's a podcast episode that I really need to listen to. I'll share my socials between Allison Felix and Naomi Osaka, who are very similar in age. And they're talking about like, what was your life like with Nike? Obviously, Allison Felix didn't get any policies. And Nike basically changed their their behavior towards mothers that are runners because of what Allison did. And it's crazy because when you think about change in society, oftentimes it's like, oh, my grandmother fought for this right that I now benefit from. And it's really crazy to see two women that are the same age, one of them putting their ass on the line and knowing that like Nike's never going to work with me again, but I'm going to do this for a bigger cause. And your peer, Naomi Osaka, is benefiting from that right now. So it was a really like mind-blowing kind of thing about like feminism and women's sports and running and stuff so I had my little LA bender um I went to a kin euphorics activation which was kind of a sleigh but it was like very much a meme as well uh it was at this like nice little pool in California 
Um, but it was so nice to go into a pool. And I also went to the beach one day because I've been lacking that in New York. And then I got in a red eye back, um, which was not I don't I don't know if I loved it or hated it. It's just very odd. Like you get on the plane and then like the plane is four hours and then it's the next day. So you just don't get proper sleep. But I don't know. I hate flying. So I feel like I would have hated any flight option that I had, like coming back to New York and losing three hours. But that's my little uh, weekend bender recap for the girlies. Well, your recap and everything that is on social media looked lovely. And also I'm so jealous. many CMOS girlies too. I ran into multiple. I ran into some at Erwan. We took a photo, did the whole thing. And then there's another girl that like rolled down her window and she was like, CMOS girlies. And I was like, yeah. So um, it's funny that, you know, in the little meme page that could, I, as they say. It, it makes sense that we have a big following in California. Hopefully one day we can do something in Cali and do a big meetup or some sort of event where we can meet a lot of you guys because I feel like we've met a decent amount of the mm-hmm. New York City CMOS girlies but I know there's so many other people out there mm-hmm. um and thank you to everyone who's purchased merch so far yeah. and I know we had a few pickups once it first initially went live but I think we figured out all the kinks thank god um but I wanted to talk about our photoshopping skills oh because that was a funny moment. So for people who don't know, Kate and I make everything on our own. We refuse to pay for any type of service and we are not going to hire any interns because there's no money to give you. Sorry. Sorry and so when it comes to making flyers, making goofy little memes with our merch on it, we have to take it into our own hands. Yeah. And I have to bust out Photoshop. Mm -hmm. on my laptop that I swear is like on her last leg when it comes to her life and you know my computer is like hissing and hounding and just like not having a blast me trying to like photoshop this t-shirt onto a spongebob meme but Kate I I would appreciate if you could talk the listeners through your (laughs) your your creative process yeah so obviously when you're making a meme you're gonna have the background image and we went hard spongebob because duh right um then emma had these little like uh png images of the t-shirts with the phrases and stuff but you know you had to do the thing that to remove the background so we didn't have that white cast and i started to play around an instagram story and i couldn't get the t-shirts to like fit to the bodies of my spongebob characters quite well so i went into google docs i put the photo of the spongebob character in the google doc i put the t-shirt in the google doc and then i like on my computer overlapped them so it looked really awful but it still was a t-shirt on a spongebob character but then i tried to take a screenshot and it like removed the overlay of the image so on my phone i went into print preview and then i screenshotted it and then i cropped it and that was how i decided to make my memes and do my photoshop um the most janky thing ever but i don't want to go any other route you know, it's fitting that it's janky because that's kind of our entire branding is just us being yeah. janky and not gotta being be aesthetic whatsoever, being as far away from that. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you guys were like, what the hell is this? You guys do not deserve to have a meme page because of your photoshopping skills. Valid, so right. valid, yeah. but also we're successful for a reason. I know. I just can't imagine being, since so many brands make memes now, like having to use their fancy software to like make a meme that's going to like just sit there you know i'm like damn that must suck to be in-house for meme creation but anyways my last one is a salad that i think is amazing and like 
a, such a good like summer moment. Um, I'm going to give it to the girlies. I'm too lazy. Well, multiple things. Too lazy to post this on my Instagram. I hate taking photos of food because it always looks like shit. I have awful lighting in my apartment. So this is why I don't post food. I also just don't really care. But the recipe, any sort of base of greens on your salad, which will be like the base of it. I did like a kale mix today. Um, a little bit of like a coconut aminos or tamari dressing. And then you're going to take a little bit of like tzatziki and you're going to do that as a dressing. A little bit of like a vinegar um, and kind of mash, not mash. What am I thinking? Holy shit. Um, massage your greens with those three things. Then you're going to cut up cucumbers, tomatoes, put them in the salad, like maybe a spring onion moment, a cilantro moment, or maybe like um, what was the other thing I did? Like a mint moment. And then you're going to take rotisserie chicken and you're going to use your hands and rip it off and then put that in your salad. And then you're just going to mix it up. I'm trying to remember what else I did. I put in, oh, I had like a, a few slices of like toast on the side of it, which kind of like odd vibes. You could do like a rice or something like that, but chicken and tzatziki and cucumbers and tomatoes are like my favorite thing right now. So that's like my summer salad rotation right now. That sounds like a delicious little Greek salad moment. Yeah. Um, especially the rotisserie chicken is just so um, wholesome. I don't know why I crave it more in the summer than winter. Um, maybe because I don't yeah, have to cook. I haven't really been buying rotisserie chicken much, but also my grocery shopping habits have been weird since I'm like never yeah. home anymore, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, okay. Getting into today's podcast, we are doing wellness myths. We've done some debunking myths before in the past, but we were like, let's make this listener submission. Let us see what type of myths you guys want us to talk about. Um, we got a ton, a ton, a ton of submissions. So thank you to everyone who did write in. We will likely do a part two because we do not want to make a two hour long episode. Um, so if we did not touch on your myth submission, we will maybe touch on it on the second episode and how we went about, you know, selecting all these, there was no really strategy behind it. So if you were a lucky winner, you were a lucky winner. And if a you winner. weren't, you weren't. Mark, like they're winning like a trophy. Like you are a lucky winner of the CMOS girlies episode, whatever episode number this will be. But yeah, we'll split it up over to two. I feel like it's it's like funny. I think whenever I see like the listeners submissions, not funny, but it's interesting because like I'm always like what's on people's for you page. Um, Because the only one on this list that we'll get into that bee pollen makes your boo bigger. That's the only one on this list that I've been getting. So we will touch on that. Um, I will call you back and then we will get into the pod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, CMOS Hurleys, let's get into the episode. Again, this is in no particular order, but we're going to first start off with collagen. We did get a few questions about whether consuming collagen supplements has any true benefits. Um, So really like the main reason that people typically talk about collagen on the internet or why they say that you should maybe consider taking collagen is because like the body's production decreases as we enter our 20s and then we lose about 1 to 1.2% annually once we hit the 30s. I also feel like kind of in more of the beauty space, it's often talked about taking collagen for helping with your nail and hair growth and also just like your skin elasticity. There's a lot of you know, I want to say lifestyle factors that can also play into your collagen production and whether you lose collagen. And that can largely be from things like consuming too much sugar or alcohol, lack of sleep as well. But really with collagen and consuming it is that it can help increase muscle mass and prevent bone loss. And it has a really high bioavailability and amino acid profile, which is really needed for repairing muscle, which is another reason why a lot of people more in like the fitness space will often take like collagen supplements. Um, but there's really no conclusive research to prove that collagen supplements versus taking from food is going to be like better. If you're someone who is vegetarian, perhaps, but you're open to taking like a regular normal collagen supplement, then yeah, that could be like beneficial for you. Or if you're someone who, for some reason, like has a shellfish allergy or can't eat eggs and could I, it could also then be very beneficial for you to consider taking collagen. Um, in terms of like vegan collagen though, this is like one area that can kind of be debunked because like vegan collagen isn't actually collagen and any type of like vegan collagen can actually claim to be collagen. That's because a lot of the vegan ingredients, they mainly are there to help boost your body's own production. They don't actually contain the actual collagen that you would find in, you know, a standard, a standard supplement or a standard product. And then also too, like ingestion is going to be way more effective than topical. 
And just overall, we do need more evidence, but this is something that you would need to take for a long term on a continued basis, which I think is a reason why so many people kind of assume that collagen is like a bullshit supplement because you're likely not taking it consistently. And it does take about like four to eight weeks, even a few months for you to even see any results. Plus a lot of people like in our twenties, we're not going to really notice any of the downsides of a collagen production decreasing. Like we're not going to really be experiencing those like joint pains or like frail hair or frail nails until like maybe later in life. So I think a lot of people in our generation, let's just say are probably taking it too early on. And this isn't really a supplement that I'm taking currently, but I do know that is one that's probably important for me down the road. And I'll probably implement it there. If you're someone who doesn't want to take supplements though and do just want to take food sources, you can obviously have bone broth, which us girlies love over in CMOS world. Um, you can also have eggs, fish, chicken, beef, anything that really is like an animal-based protein source. Yeah, I think play around with it because I do think collagen is a supplement that I would say is not super, super expensive when you think about like amount that if you take it for 30 days, that's like an investment in your health. I mean, if you're going out to like a smoothie shop and you get like a $2 add-in every day of collagen, I don't think that's worth it. But, you know, treat your body like a science experiment. Try it out. I'm currently taking collagen. I started taking uh, gelatin actually when I was injured in terms of like joint recovery for my stress fracture. But like Emma said, um, do your own research on this if it's like actually going to be best for your lifestyle goals. The next one um, that I think is the funniest that we have is that bee pollen is making your boobs bigger. Um, Emma noted we got this question three times. Um, If true, this is yes for me. I've like never had boobs and I'm not even saying I have boobs. Like I'm very flat chested, but I've just noticed as someone that is running in the summer, wearing a sports bra, seeing myself in the reflection that I'm like, my boobs are bigger. Like they're like a little bit bigger, but I also just think like I'm having a whole body dysmorphia episode with like my injury and like I'm now lifting and like I'm finally running again and I'm eating more. And so just like I'm doing a lot of quirky things over here. And so it's probably not bee pollen for me, but let's talk about bee pollen here. So facts on bee pollen that I didn't even know, but bee pollen isn't derived from bees. Um, it's, it's referred to as bee collected pollen. And so it's this like mixture of like flower pollen, nectar, enzymes, wax, and like different bee secretions, um, aka bee poop. Um, And then after the foraging and collecting pollen from different plants, bees then return it back to the hive to provide food for the colony. So it's not actually some bee stuff, guys. Crazy. But it gained its popularity kind of like late, I would say like 2008, 2010, maybe even later into like the early 2010s um, as this like functional food because it had so many nutrients. It had a very high concentration of bioactive compounds such as proteins, different fibers, lipids, carbohydrates, minerals. It's kind of this perfectly complete food that some like bloggers love to say because it's like this super antioxidant packed profile. It has flavonoids. Is that how that's said? Um, Vitamins A, E, C, polyphenols. It's kind of like how CMOS is touted as like, this is everything that you need. It's all your essential stuff. Um, And so there was a uh, licensed naturopathic doctor that was like talking about bee pollen, like in relation to this like new buzziness. And she agreed that it's like a super nourishing food. It's like complete of a lot of different nutrients that one could need. Um, But the effects of bee pollen are definitely going to depend on the person. But she kind of said anecdotally, like it could increase breast size. And the reason for that is bee pollen is very rich in phytoestrogen. And so if you take the supplement, it might weakly bind to estrogen receptors in your body and then it could suppress production. And so because of that, that could impact like how your body 
produces, um, you know, like fat in certain areas of your body and also like your hormones. And so your breast size and development depends on multiple factors, including obviously like genetics and hormones and fat. So don't go buy it. Um, no supplement is going to like guarantee breast development. And there's definitely not enough evidence on like bee pollen and breast size specifically that like you should feel like you need to go out and supplement it with your diet. Um, I mean, it can impact your hormones, which is why that it can in turn affect breast size for some people, but it's definitely not like a silver bullet that it's like super related to breast size. Yeah. Bee pollen is such a goofy edible supplement. I was going to call it a food, but I'm like, is it really even a food? I still have a massive jar from this little spot called Duels Natural, which is this really great local health store, I guess, if you want to call it that they carry a lot of like Middle Eastern spices and different supplements from that region um but that bee pollen is hard as a rock kind of like how brown sugar gets really really hard if you like allow too much moisture to get out um and i'm definitely do not need my boobs to get any bigger so maybe i avoid bee pollen um and maybe that is the reason why my tits are the size that they are um if anyone has any experiences personal experiences let us let us know i guess kate's been getting this all over her tiktok feed but i'm like so just not online i'm in my analog era if you will that i did not even know this was a thing that was going around um okay next one is eating after 7 p.m bad this is the good old one that i feel like people are still talking about which is Mm -hmm. still so crazy to me i think the reason that there's a lot of fear-mongering around kind of like eating too close to too close to bedtime or past a certain point in the day is because there's like worries about like weight gain, metabolic dysfunction, and poor sleep. If you eat too close to bedtime, I think a lot of these are rooted in like very orthorexic reasonings, which is like super unhealthy. And like, yes, it's true, perhaps that the circadian rhythm may influence your metabolism insulin, and therefore it can help influence the best time to eat. It's typically recommended like an eight to 12 hour window. But of course, like everyone's going to be very, very different. A lot of people are going to be very privileged in different aspects of this. Like if you are a night shift worker, like you do not get the privilege of kind of eating during the normal hours that like humans are biologically like made to be eating during, you know, um, And so if you are having, if you do partake in late night eating, it could possibly lead your body to process calories less effectively just because your circadian rhythm, again, like I said, does influence your metabolism. But again, like there's so much more research that is needed in this area. But a lot of doctors do say that you typically do need like a few hours to help your body like relax and calm down ahead of going to bed. And digestion is a very active process. So if you do eat too close to that, it could make you feel way more alert and energized and it won't really allow your body and the melatonin to really signal the body that, hey, it's like time to go to bed. But again, we also like don't know enough about like intermittent fasting and weight loss or like the optimal time before bed to abstain from eating. So there's just like so much more true clinical studies and research that needs to be done. But overall, like for me personally, like eating a snack before bed is something that I do quite frequently and it's going to be fine for most people, but you should like maybe try to avoid eating like excessively. Um, So if you do get really hungry at night, it's probably a sign that you just haven't been eating enough during the day. And I know this is like very, very common for people with like restrictive eating habits or people with eating disorders. It's very common to binge later at night because you didn't eat enough throughout the day. And so you might want to focus more on eating like regular time meals versus like randomly throughout the day. And then maybe just like randomly grazing versus having a proper meal. Um, But if you do eat a big meal before bed, you may experience like indigestion or heartburn. 
especially if you just lie down right away. And also do you like refined carbs or very sugary products could cause blood sugar to drop at night, causing a disruption in sleep. So yes, you're going to experience different things depending on what the food was that you ate and like how large that food or meal was. But just like you simply having a granola bar before bed is not inherently like a bad thing. And also too, like there's so many other reasons that could be connected to like why maybe you're not sleeping well beyond just like if you're eating before bed it could definitely be like caffeine intake exercise sleep habits anxiety and you know for me I definitely know like if I am kind of hungry before bed I will 100% eat a snack just because I do not sleep well if my stomach feels very empty and if I feel like any sense of like hunger in my body um so some foods before bed to maybe consider if you are hungry definitely prioritizing like protein that'll help with like the muscle repair process um, cherries, dark chocolate, bananas, anything that also contains like magnesium is really great. Walnuts too. Um, egg, not egg yolks, excuse me, hard boiled eggs would be like a good quick protein option. Turkey has tryptophan, which helps your body relax. So even eating like some turkey deli slices could be good, but overall, like this is definitely like so individual per person. And I think it's like definitely very dangerous to say like you cannot eat after 7 PM because that's really forcing people to then like ignore their hunger cues. And it's like totally fine if you get hungry a few hours after, after dinner. Yeah. My only take on this is, um, about, uh, like I'm gonna said meal times and stuff like that, because your body does adapt to like what it does every single day. And so if you are thinking like, holy shit, I eat right before bed and it does make me feel this way. Try to consistently do the same thing, or like at least try to have dinner at a consistent time. Cause I've noticed myself that like eating at the same time definitely helps my body not like break out into like this starvation mode type shit. So definitely do that. The next one we got is a question is that there's this like long or long, oh my God, low protein diet being thrown around that it's the best thing to do for longevity. Um, And so the reason that this is kind of becoming buzzy, if you've heard of Dr. Walter Wong, Wongo, oh my God, Longo, um, he's been on a lot of pods and he's like the longevity doctor, I feel like that I hear in the health pod universe. And so this longevity diet is being touted as something that is like the best for, you know, everyone to adopt, whatever. And what they prescribe people to do is to eat more carbs, to practice fasting in some sort and less protein. And so I think it just got like a lot of attention because so many people are like, protein is really important, macronutrient, the gym community, just anyone else who's concerned with like muscle building and that. Um, And so there's like a lot of studies on diets for longevity. Like we've done an episode on the blue zones, which you could like look into in terms of longevity practices. And it's hard to isolate, I think, even within like an individual, what practices are making them live the longest? Like, is it the fact that they're sleeping or is it the fact that they're eating vegetables? And so the study that a lot of researchers have been trying to get a study to isolate, like what is the thing that could be the best indicator of longevity. And they reviewed hundreds of different nutrition studies from like cellular to epidemiological, epidemiology. Oh my God. I cannot speak epidemiological. Literally. Do we know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I don't think I'm so bad with pronunciation. Oh my God. We both can't talk. Uh, no, I'm like, I'm, I don't know big words. Epidemiology. Okay. Whatever. So there's studies on cell stuff. There's study on epidemiology and they look at these researchers have been looking at all of them to see what's the big thing for longevity, okay? So that they found that diets that include mid to high levels of unrefined carbs and a diet that is low but has sufficient plant-based protein and also regular fish consumption, those three things are linked to having an extended lifespan and health span. Um, the first study that suggests like this consuming of like moderate to high levels of protein, they found that it actually leads to a higher cancer risk and mortality in like middle age to older adults. 
Um, and so a lot of researchers were then looking into like, wait, what about a high carb, low protein diet and kind of doing this back and forth. And then they also looked into fasting. And if like people do periodic fasting as they get older, it could reverse insulin resistance. Um, it could regulate their blood pressure and help with inflammation in the body. And it's interesting in this study, it said like primarily a plant-based diet. Um, they said that this like low, but sufficient protein, they said that high levels of legumes are recommended for longevity and it could increase the health span because it's like reducing certain intakes of amino acids like things like methione and methione has been linked to this pro-aging cellular pathways so it's interesting because you'll hear a guy like is it Stephen gundry the health guy that like hates beans and legumes yeah there's a few like maybe it's dave asprey too like that they're like or asprey hates kale he's like kale has oxides whatever but i feel like there's like always a, a guy like a health dude that has like a very different opinion on something like legumes or something like protein or something like this with like longevity like walter longo um and so it's interesting because like this study is so isolated of certain you know, things that they looked into that said, yes, low protein is the way to go. But there's also a lot of good reasons to eat protein, like muscle growth and muscle repair. And also like maintaining muscle as you age is really important. Like we know a lot of like people as they age, don't do as much activity and they don't do as much resistance training. And then we see like, particularly in women, a lot of like hip injuries and bone injuries. And so I would say that like protein is important. And though like this study is all about longevity and really looking at this like concept of an extended lifespan. I think you have to think about like what quality of life means for you and also like quality way of eating. Like I know when I don't eat enough protein, I do not feel energized. I do not feel full. And so like if my day to day was feeling that way, I wouldn't really want to live a long life, if that makes sense. And so like I think some of these studies are like, it's, it's like good to take with a grain of salt and like, okay, maybe I should think about like how much protein I consume. Cause I've been in the polar opposite with like the fucking gym girlies where I'm mixing like protein powder into everything. And I'm like, I don't need to do this, but I wouldn't say like you need to adopt a super like low protein diet, um, for longevity. It's kind of like hard to say that that's like the root thing for me. Yeah. And there's so many other factors that go into play in terms of like longevity that I feel like your protein intake as you get older is probably one that is like a little bit lower right. on on the pool for that and also too like it makes sense that an elder person who's maybe in their 80s is not going to need to consume 200 grams of protein as like some dude who's in his like 30s um yeah. but i definitely do think that there is way worse outcomes in terms of like not eating enough protein so girlies even though we're all probably in our 20s and maybe 30s yeah. keep on eating your protein totally um okay next we got a few questions or someone submitted something about like making up for lost sleep. Is that even possible? Um, so kind of like high level, regular consistent sleep can support your immune function, removes toxins from the brain, supports healthy metabolism. So having consistent sleep and a good sleep regimen is pretty crucial for your entire overall health. And so like a sleep deficit is pretty much the amount needed versus actually getting. And I'm also going to like throw on the term like sleep deprivation just because that's easier. But like any type of dep deprivation from sleep can lead to risks of hypertension, diabetes, metabolic dysfunction, et cetera. And kind of like reading a few different articles and a few different studies, taking naps or sleeping in on the weekends to make up for lost sleep can give like an individual really false sense of recovery. And this is largely because the consequences of sleep deprivation are accumulative. So it actually is going to take longer to reverse the negative 
impacts of you not getting adequate sleep. And it can take up to like nine days for you to even fully reverse, reverse those effects. I'm not saying like you have to get eight hours of sleep and you have to go to bed at like 930 every single night. But like, if this is something that like is perpetual and constant, then yeah, you're going to be seeing like a lot of negative consequences, which like makes sense. Um, so like, yeah, sleeping in here and there may ease symptoms like fatigue, but research has shown that it, again, it can take up to four, four days and up to nine to fully recover from just one hour of lost sleep and up to nine days to completely eliminate sleep deprivation. Um, and also to like having a very inc- inconsistent sleep schedule can also cause circadian rhythm dysfunction, which then may make it even more challenging to have some sort of sleep schedule that you can stick to. So no, you cannot make up for lost sleep. And I think if you can figure out a good wind down routine and a good like sleep hygiene for you to get proper sleep and like deep, deep, deep sleep, you are definitely on your way to a very happy and healthy life. I know a lot of people that do struggle with sleep. Um, but this is definitely an area that I haven't really struggled with. I feel like I'm usually pretty good at getting my usual eight hours. And of course, one day is not going to to fully ruin ruin your 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 health. Yeah, I feel like with sleep, at least it's like once you get off the bandwagon, that's the hardest part to get back on. Um, Because I know if I have like two days of bad sleep, it's like really hard for me to fall asleep the third day. Um, So get get in that routine, girly, and you'll be fine. The next one's about blue light glasses. Um, I feel like this comes up every few months or so. Maybe it's because they're advertised a lot. Like, I feel like I see them here and there. Um, The reason that blue light glasses are a thing in, like, health and wellness and they've become so buzzy is because, the I guess the science behind it first, is that you're exposing your retina to these shorter wavelengths that are this blue light hazard. It can make this sensitivity to light happen in your eyes. In animal studies, it shows that if you have a prolonged exposure to natural blue light, it can damage the retina. And so then it started this kind of, like, movement for, like, everyone to get blue light glasses and to reduce your screen time. And if you have headaches and stuff from your phone, it's totally normal. You just need to get blue light glasses. And so... Um, that's kind of where this all started, but particularly this relates to sleep. Like Emma's previous uh, point that we just did is that at night, if you have blue light exposure, it can cause sleep issues because it shifts your circadian rhythm, um, which as we know is like the body's internal clock. And so if you have this like excessive blue light, I mean, it can cause like eye strain and other sort of like headache related issues, but it really like confuses your body because your body's like, wait, I thought we're trying to go to sleep. I thought we're trying to like have the red and the warm and the cool lights, um, or the warm lights before bed. And so the thing is, like, there hasn't been many studies on blue light glasses, um, as most things with health and wellness don't have, like, random studies for. Um, But there hasn't been, like, a study to show that there's this significant improvement in either vision performance or sleep quality from wearing blue light blocking glasses. And so I think, like, an important question when we do see, like, inventions like this to ask is, like, is someone in the profit of blue light glasses telling me that I need blue light glasses? Because if you're hearing about blue light glasses from someone with like an Amazon storefront that is selling them or an ad or something. Like, I think that's why people start to kind of question, like, do I really need this? But in reality, like even Cleveland Clinic, you know, they say that blue light glasses, they're not effective at protecting against this digital eye strain. They say that there's no harm in wearing them. The American Academy of Ophthalmology says that they don't recommend these glasses because there's like this lack of scientific evidence here. Um, And so I would just say, like, if you are struggling with some sort of headache thing related to screen time, because that's me, that's my one toxic wellness habit is that I like will be scrolling on my phone right before bed. Um, Try to take breaks with your screen time, like maybe sit on your phone for a little bit, put your phone down, go like 
put on a face mask or something um there apparently is this thing if you are experiencing like severe eye strain called this like 20 20 20 rule and so every 20 minutes you want to look at an object about 20 feet away from you for about 20 seconds and this can sort of like relieve that like strain in a very temporary way but i think the bigger thing about blue light glasses is that like just know yourself and know yourself if your phone does give you a headache and if you feel like you have bad sleep like maybe think about blue light but I don't think anyone really needs to go get glasses I guess yeah I feel like this entire episode is like we just need more more research and more studies to actually make any conclusive um you know final decisions and that's definitely true for the next one which is local honey for allergies um so obviously this is a home remedy and it's based on the idea that like raw unpasteurized honey from local areas, wherever you live in contains pollen. So exposing your body to like that local pollen may help alleviate symptoms as you would become more immune and therefore reduce your sensitivity during allergy season. Um, yes, it's true that like honey can contain pollen, but a lot of peas, peas, a lot of bees mm-hmm. pollinate flowers and make honey but so the amount of pollen from the environment is going to be pretty small and varied and so you really are going to have like no guarantee how much pollen is going to be in the honey you consume versus like if you were to get a typical allergy shot also like i said since bees are kind of pollinating more from from flowers you're not really getting any of the pollen from the trees and grasses which is which is what typically causes the usual symptoms that a lot of people experience during peak allergy season And there is like a lot of conflicting research and studies, and this is largely because there's not much of an incentive to research this area, but it is like definitely one that is shared in a lot of the home remedy spaces and has definitely been used for many, many, many generations. Um, There was one study that I was able to find from 2013 um, in Malaysia, and essentially what the study did, there was one group of people with seasonal allergies, and they consumed raw honey while the control group consumed a placebo, so it was just like a honey-flavored syrup. Um, And then both groups were also given an antihistamine. And essentially the researchers found an improvement in allergy symptoms in the honey group after eight weeks. And that improvement lasted for a month after the group stopped using honey. So yes, it could potentially help you, but I wouldn't like go all out of your way to like go to the farmer's market if you live super far away to like find this like local honey. And again, like you're not going to know the pollen levels. And I would be very surprised if like the person selling you the honey also knows too, like they might be able to tell you the types of plants that like these bees get their pollen from. Um, But like most people probably do know that like honey can be good for soothing your throat while you have a cold. And some people who do have allergies might feel like they have a scratchy throat. So honey could be a good remedy like that. But I feel like when I had bad allergies, I was like, oh, I need to start eating honey again. And it's like, Emma, maybe you're just like prone to getting allergies and that's okay. Like, I think everyone gets allergies and it's not some sort of like weakness or flaw. If you, you do get it, I feel like sometimes in the wellness space, like if you do take a lot of supplements and like do all these things to make you, to optimize your health, you can definitely be like, oh my God, like, am I actually not being good enough because I am now getting this sort of sickness or allergy? Um, so yeah, that is the TLDR on, on honey. Yeah, the last one's kind of a funny one. Um, Emma, feel free to chime in whenever you want. Food combining. Um, I never followed Kenzie Burke and those people in those days, but I know vaguely what this all was. It was like, you can't eat different macronutrient groups and you have to do food combining so you're not bloated, whatever. I think this was like 2014 era. Correct me if I'm wrong, because like once again, I was on the Freely train. I was not in the Kenzie Burke world. I somehow got out of that shit um, by the time the Kenzie Burke stuff came around. 
Um, and so the rules of food combining are largely based on this idea that the body is not equipped to digest meals that have like mixed nutrients with one another. And it's like, yes, your body digests different micronutrients differently. Like you're going to process a carb different than a protein and a fat, but most people are not eating mono meals. Like most people are eating a plate that has every single macronutrient on it. Like how often are you only able to eat protein isolated without anything else? Like maybe if you're eating a protein powder, um, how often are you eating carbs without a fat on it? You know, so I think the food combining stuff is obviously like a very orthorexic thing for some people. It also can like lead people to have really like strict relationships with like food groups. And it just kind of gets you eating in a very like rigid way that I think makes it harder for people to like eat socially. It makes it harder for people to enjoy their meals. And like you're constantly worried, like, am I doing enough to like follow this food combining thing? Um, and back to the lack of studies part, um, there was only one study in 2000 that examined this like principles of food combining. It looked at two different groups, like one group was doing food combining and one wasn't. And I was looking if it had an effect on weight loss. Um, they were given these different diets. And after that study, it was just proven that like there's no evidence to support most of these principles of food combining. But, you know, it is the cultural kind of history of food combining, at least like many of these like original like OG food combining diets developed more than hundreds of years ago. But at that time, like we didn't know about nutrition and digestion the way that we do now. So like we've updated the science, we've done more rigorous tests, like we shouldn't be going on the science in like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So yeah, I think what we know now about like basic chemistry and nutritional science will like contradict these like principles of food combining. Um, and also like humans evolved eating a diet of whole foods like every every fucking blue zone every population has always like mixed foods together like i don't know it's so strange to like reinvent history to be like no we all just need to like eat watermelon and then eat our protein like uh, it's it's very bonkers to me that this is like gets much traction to begin with yeah i would also love to know what modern day wellness influencers are pushing this agenda because i thought we were definitely far past yeah, done with that it. but yeah. there's probably kenzie berg is obviously still alive and i'm sure she has little minions that are trying to spread her gospel yeah who fucking knows i'm like so out of like this is weird because i i'm an influencer but like i'm like who are the wellness influencers like i don't really know who i would name dude i'm only i feel like all i pay attention to now maybe this is problematic but like all the the bro science with the capital s wellness freaks like all the huberman mm. dads like there's a full article oh, article yeah. was actually like kind of entertaining but i feel like i'm just like way more like that's like the only content that i'm ever fed now yeah um my bro science is personally just my physical therapist who reminds me of huberman lab it's so funny like he literally is like a little andrew huberman i love it so that's my like true bro that i get science from but i don't consume uh much social media uh wellness shit these days so yeah, that was our last one, but let us know if you liked. And also if you have like ones for the next kind of wellness myth listeners submission app, um, feel free to DM us or maybe we'll put a little question tab up again. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun in the CMOS girlies universe. It's a Monday night. Um, we already mentioned that merch is out. Um, go get it. I think that's all I have. Emma, do you have anything else? I have nothing else. I hope you all have a lovely Tuesday. Don't forget to drink your magnesium and get your morning sunlight and stay hydrated. Yeah, all of the things. Um, thanks, CMOS girlies. We will talk to you next Tuesday. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.